Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm, as always, so excited and delighted that you've decided to join us for an hour here of all things gardening, all things Southern gardening, I should say, because gardening is really a regional business. You know, some of the things that work for us it's not going to work for you if you live in the, say, Pacific Northwest, or maybe in New England, or Wisconsin. There are some plants that are not going to grow well in every area of the world. And so, yeah, this is Southern Gardening, because generally here in the Southeast uh, United States, we have uh, similar climates, similar soils, even though... There's definitely differences between here and there, and trust me, soil can be different from two and three feet apart from each other, that's for sure. But generally, uh, we have similar climate in this region, uh, and our climate happens to be quite similar to other parts of the globe. And some of our soils happen to be similar to other soils around the world. For instance, a lot of our soils we see here in the southeast, uh, we see similar soils in parts of Africa. And some of the climate we experience here also can be very similar to parts of China and Asia, uh, which is why a lot of the plants that grow in China, parts of Asia, can grow here. So when we talk about gardening, we've got to remember how regional how regional gardening is. So when you're doing research, when you're looking for ideas or answers to your question, be sure to examine the source it's coming from. Is that person, is that gardener, is that entity, whoever it may be, uh, maybe a university extension office, are they talking your climate? Or are they referring to a completely different region of the world? With that being said, what I'm getting at is you can't always trust everything on the internet. The internet is this worldwide place, this worldwide place. And not everything that happens on the internet is going to be, is going to work for our zone. A lot of folks will come to me even at the nursery. Of course, you can find me throughout the week at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia. But folks will come to me even at the nursery and say, oh, I read this or that on the internet. And I'm like, oh. That doesn't really sound uh, jiving. That doesn't really jive with our area. That's not normally what we would expect or things would act differently here. Are, do you remember where that person was who wrote that article? Are they in a different part of the nation, different part of the world? So just remember how regional, how regional gardening is and that um, 
things that work for people in other areas may not necessarily work for us. So today we are sort of talking about some regionally specific plants in a way, because all of the things we've talked about last week, we've talked about uh, new summer blooming shrubs for your landscape. And we're continuing that conversation today. So of course, all of the plants we've talked about last week and the plants we're going to talk about this week, all of these plants are going to be appropriate for the Southeast, for our region. Uh, Many of these you probably already uh, are familiar with or have some varieties of these plants in your garden and you see how well they perform. For instance, last week, just to summarize, we talked about hydrangeas in particular. Of course, uh, many of the hydrangeas are true summer blooming uh, and some may start late spring, but they continue through summer, especially those big leaf hydrangeas, the blue and pink ones, and some of the varieties we talked about last week are reblooming types. So be sure to check out last week's program at NewSouthernGarden.com if you're interested in reblooming hydrangeas. We also talked about the panicled hydrangeas. Now those are truly, truly, strictly summer blooming plants. You can prune them any time of the year and still get blossoms. There's no worry about cutting off blooms. Uh, even though they don't necessarily rebloom, they do bloom for a long time. They're starting right now, and some of them are in their prime. Uh, you may be familiar with the limelight hydrangea. That one sort of came out several years ago and really took the horticultural world by storm. And now that maybe. 15, nearly 20 years has gone by, there are new varieties that are coming out and improvements on that limelight. So we also talked about those hydrangeas last week, but we didn't have enough time to continue talking about some of these other great summer blooming plants. And so I would like to continue that conversation for today because like I mentioned last week, you may not be shopping at your local plant nursery or garden center as much in the summer as you were in the spring. And in the spring, you don't get the uh, pleasure of seeing the summer bloomers because it's too early for them to bloom. So there may have been plenty of wonderful plants with beautiful flowers uh, that you walked past, you just walked right by in the spring because it looked like a normal green shrub at that time. But if you were to go take an adventure to your local plant nursery or garden center, you will find that there are plenty of wonderful plants blooming right now. And, you know, other than maybe traveling and uh, uh, being away on vacation, you're probably at your home a good bit in the summer and you may be inside because it's so hot. But that's okay because if you incorporate some of these summer blooming shrubs into your landscape, then you can enjoy your time at home in the summer, uh, whether you're looking through the window from inside at these beautiful flowers on these shrubs, or maybe you are tending to your garden, uh, be making sure that you're keeping things up in the landscape. And as you walk by these summer blooming shrubs, they'll just really put a spark in your day because many of these are just awesome bloomers and some of them will bloom uh, continuously until fall gets here or rather the first frost uh, touches the plant. So again, last week we talked about a couple of different varieties, uh, different varieties. We talked about several varieties of a couple types of hydrangeas, the big leaf and the panicle. But this week we're going to transition into some other plants that you are probably familiar with. But I do want to introduce you to some new varieties from some um, 
Well, new varieties to uh, the market and some other varieties that may have been out a while, but they may be brand new to your landscape. So let's get started by talking about the butterfly bush. Now, butterfly bushes have been grown in the South for a long time, and they have been a become a staple in our landscape. Now, of course, butterfly bushes are just named butterfly bush. They do provide... Uh, nectar and pollen and whatnot on those little tiny flowers. You know, they have the clusters, a panicle of small tube-like flowers that are very attractive to butterflies and other pollinators. But they don't originate from our area, uh, so really all they provide our pollinators is a source of food. Uh, These particular plants, the butterfly bush, also known as budlia, that's its botanical name, budlia, uh, they do come from parts of Asia. And this particular uh, butterfly bush or the butterfly bush that we use here in the South, like I said, it's not from here. So there's no um, benefit as far as nature goes other than a food source for adult pollinators like butterflies. Many plants that we grow in our gardens also provide a benefit as a host plant. And remember, a host plant is a plant that is consumed by the juvenile form of the butterfly or pollinator. So, for instance, the monarch butterfly has to lay its eggs on milkweed. So, milkweed is a host plant for the monarch butterfly. And then, of course, the milkweed, they do produce flowers and produce nectar that's quite attractive to many uh, types of adult butterflies and pollinators. But in the case of the butterfly bush, remember that you are planting it strictly to feed the adults. So it is a great plant. It is a beautiful plant for us to look at, and it is attractive. I will say that it is not the most attractive plant to butterflies, though. I think that when we named Budlia, the, when we called it the butterfly bush, we gave it a little more credit than maybe it deserves <laughs> because it is a fine pollinator plant, but there are plenty of our native plants that actually will provide pollination, uh, not pollination, will provide nectar and maybe a, be a host plant uh, for other life cycles of these pollinators. For instance, one that comes to mind is mountain mint. Now, mountain mint is a rambler, and she fills in spaces, but it's a great native plant that blooms these little white flowers, so it's not nearly as showy as the butterfly bush, but I'll tell you, if you compared how many pollinators are on some of these native plants, like mountain mint, uh, versus how many pollinators frequent the butterfly bush, you will find that many of the native plants are much better uh, butterfly plants, if you will. But regardless, there are some wonderful butterfly bushes that are coming out. Um, I will say before we talk about some of the details of these new varieties that I'm on the fence about butterfly bush nowadays because there's some research coming out and some observations seeing that that butterfly bush can reseed and it can sort of escape the garden and become a potentially invasive species. I don't think that it's on many invasive species list yet, but it might be put on there. And so what we want to look at with these butterfly bushes is do they have the ability to produce new seeds? If they have the ability to produce seeds and new plants, then we may not want to use those varieties in our landscape. But I will say that some of these new varieties, some of these new varieties of butterfly bushes are hybrids. And so 
they may not even be able to set seed to generate new plants. And that, in my opinion, is a good thing because we don't want this beautiful plant to escape our gardens and become the next kudzu or become the next privet, some kind of invasive species. So just be selective. And of course, I've been selective about some of these butterfly bushes that I'm going to recommend for your garden today. The very first butterfly bush I want to talk about are the Pugster butterfly bushes. Now, there are there's three that I'm aware of. There's Pugster Blue, Pugster Lavender, and Pugster Periwinkle. And these are all been introduced by the Proven Winners uh, group of plants or brand of plants. So instead of talking about all three of these, I'm going to stick with one of the standard, which is the Pugster Blue. Now, the Pugster Blue is this wonderful plant because it only gets about two feet tall. Now, that is very exciting because most of the old-fashioned butterfly bushes got six eight, maybe pushing 10 feet tall uh, without pruning, of course, uh, they would get taller and taller and taller. But now, since we have smaller landscapes and we don't want to do so much maintenance, so much pruning, we are seeing a variety of butterfly bushes that are quite small. Now, I think pretty much, well, we've got one almost standard size butterfly bush on the list, but most of the ones we're talking about today are going to be four feet or shorter, which in my opinion is just wonderful. But the thing about the Pugster Blue butterfly bush is that other than being compact, it still has full-sized flowers on the plant. And it is this wonderful thing. Most of these uh, dwarf butterfly bushes, the plant is smaller and the flower is smaller and the leaf is smaller. Everything is dwarf about it. But with the Pugsters, what we find is that their flower is still huge. The leaves are quite large, but the size of the plant is dramatically reduced. So let me read just a little bit about the Pugster Blue from Proven Winner's website. It says, this compact plant reaches just two feet tall and wide, but has the large full flowers normally seen on a much larger plant. It blooms nonstop from early summer through frost with true blue flowers, each with a tiny yellow-orange eye in the center. Thanks to the thick, sturdy stems, the Pugster series offers vastly improved hardiness and winter survival over other types of dwarf butterfly bush. Now, the uh, butterfly bushes that we're talking about is the Pugster Blue, but there are some other colors. The Pugster Blue is a nice dark blue. There's Lavender, which is a pale purple, and then Periwinkle, which is a darker uh, pink purple. But regardless, the Pugster butterfly bushes from proven winners they're showing up to be wonderful plants and you may want to look into getting those but there's still other varieties of butterfly bushes on my list so when we get back more about the butterfly bush and some of these new varieties Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. 
Lee. Uh, of course, that's my Eden Rose Give It A Go button. She's encouraging you to try new plants in your landscape. Today we are talking all about new summer blooming shrubs. Because most of the times we fail to go shopping for plants in the summer. It's so hot, maybe we're on vacation. There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons why we would uh, not be frequenting the garden centers and local plant nurseries. But in reality, we still need some blossoms all summer long. And it's easy to get caught up in spring blooms when you have that spring fever. And of course, you're going to... um, you're going to uh, be at the garden centers right after winter is over, spring is springing, <laughs> and you're going to find all kinds of things, but you may overlook those flowers that are going to bloom in the summer. And so we have been talking last week and this week about new summer blooming shrubs that I think you're going to love. Now, some of these are uh, new spins on old-fashioned plants, and uh, there are some old-fashioned plants that have been around for a long time that maybe you've never even heard of. So I think either way, even though they're not brand new to the market, they may be very brand new to your landscape. Before the break, we were talking about butterfly bush. Now, butterfly bush has been a staple in our southern gardens, and for good reason, because, of course, they do attract butterflies, but really, (laughs) even though they're not the the best in my opinion they're not the best at attracting butterflies they are good at it but they do bloom almost non-stop once they get started they keep on blooming until we get to uh, fall so definitely butterflies bushes are good to look into for that summer blooming color we did talk about the Proven Winners Pugster series, Pugster Blue, Pugster Lavender, Pugster Periwinkle. Those are all very dwarf, only about two feet tall, and they have full-size flowers. So the flowers are bigger than you would expect on a dwarf. Very, uh, it, very impressive. Now, there is one that I want to highlight. It's another Proven Winters plant called Miss Molly, Miss Molly Butterfly Bush. The reason that I want to highlight this one is because it's got an unusual color. All right, so it is marketed as the red, the most red butterfly bush you have seen. And it does push the red. I will say it's a very sort of touch of pink red, okay? Very beautiful and a very unusual color, and it is quite impressive. The The plant it does get four to five foot, so it's a little bit bigger, but still not as big as some of the very old fashions, which could get eight to ten foot tall. But this one is very fragrant too. Now, you might find that most butterfly bush, the butterfly flower, butterfly bush flowers are quite fragrant. Well, Miss Molly does not let you down with that. Um, As a matter of fact, Proven Winter says that Miss Molly is the queen of the summer garden. You've got those fragrant flowers, the closest to red of any butterfly bush that you've seen. And of course, they continue to bloom for months in the summer, even without deadheading. Now, most butterfly bushes do that, but this one, I have, I'll say from my experience with it at the nursery, is very good at reblooming without having to go trim. A lot of, lot of butterfly bushes, uh, you do need to deadhead them in order to get blossoms moving. But with the Miss Molly, you don't need as much. And the other great thing about Miss Molly 
is that it is a non-invasive variety. It, just like the Pugsters, uh, are hybrids, and so they're not necessarily going to be producing seeds uh, like some of those old-fashioned ones did. So, very refined habit. Uh, not not as wild-looking as some of the other ones, uh, or the old-fashioned ones, I should say. Uh, but still, it's really all about that color. It is one of the reddest, one of the reddest, probably the I would agree with proven winners that this is the most red butterfly bush that I have seen. Now, how about some other butterfly bushes that are compact? Um, these have been around for a while, but there is a series of butterfly bush called Buzz. B-U-Z-Z. And what a wonderful name. What an absolutely wonderful name. Why? Well, because the thing about butterfly bush is you want to hear the buzzing. You want to hear the pollinators. So the buzz series of plants, there are, I think, seven different colors. Uh, here's a few. Ivory, which is white. Hot raspberry, which is this really hot pink color. Uh, sky blue, which is a pale blue, nearly pale lavender, I guess. Uh, Midnight, very dark purple. Magenta, as it suggests, is pushing the red, uh, kind of like Miss Molly, and soft pink, which is a uh, paler pink. So there are plenty of colors in the Buzz series, but all of them, all of them tend to uh, fall in that three to four feet height and maybe four feet width as well course just like your favorite butterfly bushes they bloom all summer until frost you can grow any butterfly bush in full sun uh, you can put it in part shade you won't see as dense of a plant you won't see as fast of growth and you won't see as many blossoms but butterfly bush can do a pretty good job in part shade which would be about five hours of direct sunlight so with all that being said uh, these in particular have a usda hardiness from zone four to zone nine now of course we fall happily right in the middle we have no problem growing them but of course these could be grown as far north as so oh, southern wisconsin because <laughs> i believe they are zone four so again the buzz butterfly bushes have been around for a while but there are seven or more varieties to choose from different colors and i think you'll find something new there they are compact growth so they take up very small amount of space uh great for small gardens and of course they're going to attract those pollinators they're going to have these very rich vibrant colors uh with subtle scents most of the time you find that butterfly bush has a scent. I've already mentioned that. Uh, but the buzz varieties have these sweet, just subtle scent, not knock your socks off. Or, you know, I've noticed that with some folks, they don't like plants. Uh, it's sort of a... Uh, give or take working with so many people at the plant nursery um some people love to have fragrant flowers and some people say no i do not want anything with fragrance so these are sort of right in the middle um, and i think that you'll find that they are wonderful to use again i like to use the buzz or recommend the buzz because they do not reseed they are cultivars that do not reseed and um so you don't have to worry about them becoming quite invasive and in general Butterfly bush has very low, if any, serious pests. Usually deer don't care for it. Usually rabbits don't care for it. But you can't guarantee that. I have seen some rabbit, uh, rather, uh, deer nibbling in some picture, in some uh, photographs and in certain landscapes. And I just am not too certain we can say they are completely deer resistant. But, of course, that might be 
different for you in your landscape. That's the, the thing about um, of deer. Now, we've got a couple minutes, so we do need to keep going. I've got a long list of plants. Other than butterfly bush and hydrangeas, there is another plant that is sort of considered old-fashioned. And you probably, your grandmother, I know my grandmother and someone who is sort of like a grandmother to me, they were growing this plant. Um, we don't see it too much in the nursery, or we haven't seen it too much in the nursery in, in recent decades, but I think that we're going to see more and more of it. Of course, I'm talking about Rose of Sharon. Rose of Sharon, which is botanically listed as Hibiscus syriacus. It is a hibiscus. It's in the hibiscus family. Uh, some people call it Althea. That is a very old name. Althea or Rose of Sharon. Of course, these are deciduous shrubs uh, that traditionally got quite large. Uh, maybe like a small crepe myrtle size. Okay, we're talking somewhere up in 12 to 15 feet. And you can see that that old-fashioned plant that got so big and so large, it just can't fit into our landscapes anymore. And so other than it blooming in the summer and people not buying it because they're not going to the nurseries in the summer, um, it's, it's wonderful to have this flower in the summer. But it sort of just fell out of favor. And we really didn't see a lot of it until recently because more um, breeding and more selecting of cool new varieties compactness dwarf ones they have been made in recent years so we've got new varieties of rose of sharon so again we're not talking about your grandma's rose of sharon we're going to talk, going to talk about a couple of new varieties of rose of sharon that are really uh, going to be a good addition to our modern smaller landscape so when we get back from this break we're going to talk about althea rose of sharon and these new types Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, this morning on New Southern Garden, we are talking about something new. We're talking about new summer blooming shrubs. A lot of times, we fail to pack our landscapes full of summer blooming shrubs because we don't go to the landscape, sorry, we don't go to the nurseries, we don't go to the garden centers in the summer, it's too hot, we're on vacation, we've done all of our spring planting, and we forget to look at what's blooming in the summer. So I hope that uh, this week, I'll well, we give you some ideas of some new plants you can try. Now, some of these plants are brand new, only been out for a few years. Some of these plants have been around for maybe a few decades, but we've forgotten about them, or maybe you've never used them in your landscape. And I think it's about time to give some of these a try. So with that being said, we were just getting into our discussion on a very old-fashioned plant, 
But I promise you there are some new developments and new varieties available that are spectacular. And that plant is the Rose of Sharon. Rose of Sharon, also known as Althea, is in the hibiscus family. And you will find that the blossoms of the Rose of Sharon look like dwarf or miniature hibiscus. And there are five large, broad petals, usually. The old-fashioned one, uh, Rose of Sharon, used to be sort of a pink and purple. Uh, sometimes you see white. But a lot of times they have this red or off-color band right in the center of the flower, which is attractive. But you don't want every plant you have to have that center band. So the first Rose of Sharon that, that I want to talk about this morning is a brand new one from Proven Winners, and it's called White Chiffon. White Chiffon. Now, White Chiffon has this really crisp white flower. Crisp white. It is a beautiful white. They're blooming at the nursery right now. They've been blooming for weeks, of course. But other than that pure white color with those broad petals, right in the center, there are there's fluffiness. <laughs> there are small strap-like flowers right in the middle, which I have not really seen on many rows of Sharon's. And those strap-like tiny petals that are fluffy are also pure white. Now, with that in mind, there is a benefit to those fluffy centers, and that is that they don't produce or set nearly as much seed than the old-fashioned Rose of Sharon did. The old-fashioned Rose of Sharon, or conventional Rose of Sharon, they would throw out seeds, and you'll see even older plantings of Rose of Sharon's that maybe the gardener who planted it has long passed away, but you'll see if you find a mature Rose of Sharon, there are babies all around it. And that was one of the benefits to growing Rose of Sharon years and years ago, was that it was so easy to produce new plants. You could share them with your friends, pass them over the gate. Uh, those We used to, well, sometimes we call them pass-along plants. You know, that's how, before the nursery industry sort of got rolling, that's how plants were distributed, is from friends, neighbors, family. They would pass them here, pass them there, and everybody would get a little taste of these plants. And Rose of Sharon was one of those standards that has been with us from a long time ago. But because of the reseeding, because of their very large size, they sort of, um, they sort of fell to the wayside. Now, with that being said, though, the white chiffon, the white chiffon is more of this column-shaped hibiscus. It's still a larger one and has potential to get eight foot or higher, but it's only about four to six feet wide, so it's a, a bit thinner than uh, it is broad. Now, that is a completely new look for Rose of Sharon because the old-fashioned Rose of Sharon looked much like a multi-stem umbrella. They actually have a very similar look to something like a crepe myrtle. You have multiple stems, and they get broad at the top. And usually, the bottom of the plant just... Um, sort of died back. There were no leaves there. Uh, you could see, as we say in horticulture, it's knobby knees and ankles. You could see down below underneath the plant. But with the more column shape of this white chiffon, this new proven winner's variety of Rose of Sharon, yes, it can get tall, but its spread is not nearly as wide as they used to be. I mean, I, have, I saw a Rose of Sharon not maybe just a week or two ago. 
in a landscape. Beautiful, beautiful blooms. It was the old-fashioned, you could tell, the purple-pink blossoms. But its spread was probably 15 feet, if not wider. And so that is going to be hard to fit into a smaller landscape. But if you still need some height in a tight landscape, think about this white chiffon, Rose of Sharon. It's only about four to six feet wide, which, in my opinion, is quite a wonderful improvement. And I hope that some of the uh, work that's being going on with particularly these proven winners varieties helps to bring Rose of Sharon back to the landscape. Now, if that white chiffon is still too big for your landscape, well, there is a true dwarf. This is the smallest, and we have, for the first time, brought it into the nursery. Of course, you can find me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, throughout the week. Now, this particular uh, variety is called Poly Petite, and it is the smallest the smallest high, uh, rose of Sharon that I have seen. It's only about three to four feet tall, three to four feet wide, and it is so cute. It is so cute. And let me read this because I think it's a little comical from Proven Winners, who, who again, uh, produces this uh, poly petite rose of Sharon. They say, yes, you have room for a rose of Sharon. Poly petite is a new hybrid rose of Sharon that anyone has space for. It naturally grows with a rounded three by four or three by three, four by four tall and wide habit without pruning. And that is a great description because, again, we don't normally think that Rose of Sharon can fit into a small landscape, but this is a new variety that is going to be uh, have a very dwarf habit, so it can go pretty much in any landscape. Now, let's talk about the flowers. The flowers are quite large. They are probably as large as a normal-sized a Rose of Sharon would, would be. They are lavender pink, so they're not quite uh, lavender, but I would say they do have a touch of pink. You couldn't call it pink because there's a touch of lavender in it. But of course, there is very dark foliage, which is very attractive on these brilliant lavender pink flowers. And again, this is a variety that is nearly seedless, so no nuisance seedlings popping up everywhere. That was a problem, like we've already mentioned, for the old-fashioned kind of Rosa Sharon. Uh, it was a benefit back in the day when no plant nurseries were around, but now that we have plant nurseries and we can go and buy plants and people are growing them for us, we don't need a lot of extra plants popping up in our landscape that are just turning it into a uh, weedy mess. So I do want to mention this foliage, though. Is, is almost this dark blue-green. It is very attractive. I, I, I know I go on and on about the flowers, and we're talking about things that are blooming, uh, but this baby is going to be blooming all summer, and it does have a beautiful set of dark uh, blue-green foliage that really makes, of course it does, it does make the, uh, the um, uh, flower stand out very well. Now, you can plant Rose of Sharon in full sun if you want the most flowers you can get. It's a hibiscus, and hibiscus, they love full sun. You could put it in some partial shade. Uh, I do know of a planting, actually at my parents' house, I planted a Rose of Sharon under some tall pine trees. It's not growing very quickly, and it doesn't bloom as much, but it is blooming now, and it has been blooming for several weeks now. So you don't have to have full sun for this. It can actually keep the plant a bit smaller. You just may not get as many blossoms. Now, because they're summer bloomers, you can pretty much bloom, uh, bloom them, prune them. You can prune these summer bloomers 
in spring, if you need to reduce the size, you can, when you uh, prune them in spring or even late winter, you have no worry about chopping off blossoms because they set their blossoms on new wood and they essentially are very easy plants. So that is the Rose of Sharon. I would recommend these two new varieties, the White Chiffon and the Poly Petite. They are from Proven Winners, and they are looking really great at the nursery. Uh, They've done a wonderful job in a container for us this year, and I expect that they will do even better in the landscape. Now, that's Rose of Sharon, but of course, one of our favorite plants in the Southern Garden is going to be Rose, the regular rose, right? Well, what is a regular rose? There are so many different varieties, different hybrids, that it's hard to even separate them into... uh, a, uh, to categorize them. But there is a new rose from Proven Winners that we have carried at the nursery for several years now. We've planted some in landscapes. I planted some at our church even uh, several years ago, and they're doing great. It's called the At Last Rose. Now, the At Last Rose, I think the reason we call it, or it is called the At Last Rose, is because it is One of the first, (laughs) as far as marketing goes, right? One of the first roses that is finally disease-resistant and fragrant. That has been the unusual combination to achieve uh, since the disease-resistant roses started coming out, particularly things uh, like the knockout rose. You know, we had these beautiful knockout roses now for over 20, 25 years. Uh, They're (laughs) disease-resistant. But they didn't have any fragrance. They didn't have a fragrance. And so the At Last Rose is both disease-resistant and fragrant. And I will say, I will attest that in the landscape situation and the nursery situation, we see uh, very little black spot, very little issues like that. But it is a fully petaled tea rose. A fully petaled tea rose, but I like what a proven winner says. Even though it's a fully petaled tea rose, it has the no-nonsense practicality of disease-resistant landscape roses. And really no spraying is needed. Uh, One of the things that you do find wonderful about it is its sweetly perfumed sunset orange blossoms. They are quite large, too. They will fit into the palm of your hand. They're not these little tiny roses. They have... Uh, definitely double the the petal count. It is a true double rose. Some of the disease-resistant roses we find are single petals, and there's only five petals there. But with this, we get over-the-top petal count, and it's a beautiful color. I I sometimes call it coral, uh, but it's not really coral because there's not a lot of pink in it. It is this sunset orange. It is a good way to, uh, to put it. But of course, because it's a rose, it starts blooming, in the late part of spring, and it will continue to bloom through frost. So you get a uh, just a flush of flowers every few weeks. I do encourage to deadhead, as with all roses, deadhead these roses because I found that you get faster uh, re-blooming if you do a little bit of trimming. And really, that's just the standard for most, if not all, roses. You can wait, though. You don't have to deadhead. You'll just have to go uh, a few weeks longer without blooms. But with these beautiful orangey flowers that are sweetly uh, 
perfumatic, I don't know, <laughs> that are sweetly fragrant, you will definitely want to get as many flowers as possible. Again, this is called the Atlast Rose, the Atlast Rose, and I don't think that you're going to find a more perfect hybrid tea rose. I mean, I love to go back to old-fashioned roses, and I love to uh, have heritage roses. We're growing a few at the nursery. Um, but the reality is, is this is a new rose that I think will become, one day, will become one of the standard bearer for roses, the Atlast Rose. It has both disease resistance and a wonderful fragrance, and it's just chock full of petals. Well, gang, I've got another rose to talk about when we get back from this break and some more new summer blooming shrubs for your landscape. So hang on tight and we'll be right back with more uh, petal wonderfulness. <laughs> hey, gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the new Southern Garden podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. <laughs> at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. Well, gang, we've got... A few more plants to talk about today. If you're just joining us for New Southern Garden, we have been talking about brand new plants for your landscape that bloom in the summer, particularly shrubs. So summer blooming shrubs. Now, some of these, I shouldn't say they're brand new, making you think that they're just released to the market. I should probably say that they are brand new in the fact that they've been around for several years uh, or literally brand new to the market. But in some cases, they have not been introduced to your landscape. So they're new to your landscape. Um, I hope that you have heard of some of these because they're wonderful plants uh, that we've been talking about. But if you haven't heard of them, I encourage you to look them up. Definitely take a a trip to your local plant nursery or garden center and see if you can find some of these plants. Uh, most of these plants have been released by Proven Winners, which is a wonderful brand of plants, wonderful breeding program that is producing plants for, yes, all over the uh, U.S., but really most of the plants they produce are highly suitable for the South. And so if we're looking for something new, if we're looking to try something different, we can always look to Proven Winners. We've talked about some first editions and uh, plants. It's just brand names at this point. Uh, people have learned how to brand plants. I didn't think it could be done, but it has been like Nike shoes or Reebok shoes. Uh, these are just brands and companies that are working to produce maybe better plants, uh, new, something different. Uh, and we always liked, even though I love the standard bearers, the old fashioned things, 
I still like the fact that there are people who are working to produce something maybe even better or something different. And in the world of roses, there could always be something better and something different because roses have always given us a variety of genetic diversity. So in other words, we have all shades of roses, right? We can go from whites to yellows to orange to reds to nearly blue. They're more like purple, uh, but nearly blue. maybe lavender. You know, we have seen lavender roses before. So there's all different sizes of roses and all all different shapes of flowers and whatnot. And before the break, we were talking about the at-last rose from Proven Winners, which is a wonderful plant, uh, very fragrant and disease-resistant. But there's one rose that's brand new to me. This year, I have the first time I've seen it in my life. I didn't even know what it was. I thought it had the strangest name. It's called the Ringo all-star rose. Ringo all-star rose. I think we can probably assume where that inspiration for that name came from. Uh, Oh, I hate to make a terrible joke. Let's see. Just like the Japanese beetles (laughs) who love to eat roses, uh, this Ringo all-star, I'm sure, was inspired by another kind of beetle, more like a British one. But listen to the description, because it's very hard to describe this color. And I'm glad that Proven Winners wrote a little blurb uh, to make it easy. When you're this colorful... You only need five petals for big impact. The pleasing flowers of Ringo All-Star Rose may look simple at first, but this plant packs in a lot of interest. The flowers start out a rich melon orange with a cherry red center. As each one ages, it transforms to lavender and pink, creating a look of multiple colors on one plant. A crown of fluffy yellow anthers bedecks the center and attracts pollinators. Now, this plant is the strangest rose I've ever seen because it does start out with sort of these orangey, corally colors, melon orange, that red cherry center, this band right in the middle. And then each petal sort of slowly fades in its own time to a lavender and pink. And then the very yellow centers right in the middle really stand off from that ring of cherry red that, of course, changes to a pink. One of the strangest flower forms that I have seen. It is a single rose. It has five petals and no more. It's not a double rose. Uh, It's not really known for its fragrance, but it is a landscape-type rose only getting 24 to 36 inches tall and about 36 inches wide. So it's still a very small rose that should be able to fit anywhere uh, without the fear of it getting too large. Now, the other thing that I want to mention about Ringo All-Star Rose is that it does have disease resistance, and it's quite robust, but there's really no need for deadheading. Of course, deadheading is that process of removing spent flowers. Normally, that encourages plants to bloom more, particularly these summer bloomers. However, you can do that for this plant, but you don't have to. It's not necessary. They almost have this continuous flush of flower. And so if you're tired of deadheading roses in the summer while it's hot and you're sweating and all that, maybe check out this Ringo All-Star Rose from Proven Winners. It is 
definitely an unusual flowering form and really does have some uh, very interesting characteristics. All right, that's enough about roses. We have spent hours on this program talking about roses. You can always find our old episodes online at NewSouthernGarden.com, where I, I remember we've had several episodes about roses. So if you want more on roses, feel free to check that out on NewSouthernGarden.com or on the Facebook and Instagram and anywhere you find the uh, podcasts on your smart devices. Now, the last plant, there's one more plant that we've got time for. Now, this plant I've loved since I've learned about it. I guess the first time I learned about it was in plant school at the University of Georgia and my horticulture classes. It's called smoke bush. Now, smoke bush is normally a very large shrub, almost a small tree. However, Proven Winners, again, another Proven Winners introduction, has released one called Winecraft Black. Now, I do need to tell you what smokebush does. Smokebush is a deciduous tree that drops its leaves in the uh, fall. But before they drop, they have great fall color. But in the spring, they leaf out and put out new growth. Now, these leaves on the Winecraft Black are the best purple that I have probably ever seen, or red, however you want to call it. Uh, black leaves, maybe. But they are, in my opinion, between red and purple, and they are one of the best shades that I've ever seen. The great thing about this new one, Winecraft Black, is that it only gets four to six foot tall and four to six feet wide. So if in the past, smoke bush was too large for your landscape, maybe this four to six foot plant, Winecraft Black, is going to fit better. Now, the beautiful thing about out, um, about smoke bush is that even though they have these very strange, almost perfectly round leaves that are this rich purple, uh, they also bloom uh, with these panicles of very soft, almost like smoky, misty blossoms. Very strange and unusual uh, for a plant to have these smoky, misty blossoms, and they too are in that purple uh, red color. And so this plant, the Winecraft Black Smoke Bush, is going to be drought tolerant, really is a tough plant. We've already planted one at the nursery and haven't watered it, and it's been dry, and it hasn't batted an eye. I think you're going to really like it. You don't have to do a lot of extra pruning because it has smaller size, it's got that dwarf habit, and of course it's got wonderful fall color and a wonderful purple color all summer long. Wait for those smoky blooms to pop out and you're going to love this smoke uh, smoke bush called Winecraft Black from, from Proven Winners. Well gang, I hope you've enjoyed these two episodes about uh, shows about um, summer blooming shrubs that maybe you've never had before. So you can always check us out at NewSouthernGarden.com and for WRWH 93.9 FM and of course New Southern Garden, I'm Nathan Wilson hoping you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week. Give it a go! Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. 